0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to Saturday Night Rewind. I am Brian Paradise, and I have a very special guest for this episode. Go ahead and introduce yourself.
1: Hello, I'm Aaron Paradise, and I'm married to Brian.
0: That's right. Uh, we couldn't have a Randall for this week, so Aaron was delightful and wanted to help out. So, we're going to be talking about episode 20 of season 46 of Saturday Night Live. With host Anya Taylor Joy and musical guest Lil Nas X. So, uh, Aaron, since you're new, uh, go ahead and give us an idea of what your kind of history is, your relationship to the show.
1: So, being a last born child in the 80s and 90s, my parents kind of didn't watch me very much. And so I stumbled upon a VHS collection of the best of SNL kind of classics. That was all from the 70s and 80s, and it was probably not appropriate for my age at the time in elementary school, but I freaking loved it. So I fell in love with uh, Land Shark and Stuart Smalley and uh, Deep Thoughts by Jack Handy, and so that kind of kickstarted my love of SNL and sketch comedy. And then years later, when we met in college, I found out that you were a big SNL nerd, and you know the rest is history. We've been watching it regularly for years now.
0: Yeah, I think that, you know, similar to me that you kinda watched it when you were too young, mm-hmm. which I think is the right time to get into SNL. And then uh I think we took a little bit of a break. Kind of in in college we didn't really watch it much. I think there's a lot from that kind of early Faye Polar Jimmy Fallon area era that we just kinda of missed. And I think we started watching it regularly, probably oh seven, oh eight, oh nine um, kind of more, uh, hater Maya uh, Rudolph, that kind of transition. Uh, and yeah, and it's become a weekly thing for well over 10 years that Mm -hmm. we watch together.
1: Well, and I will say that growing up when we grew up, Wayne's world was huge. That was like one of my favorite movies growing up. So I think that also sparked a lot of love, even if I dropped SNL for a few years in kind of late high school, early college, it's just a show that's always been in the consciousness of my mind and just in, in America. I mean, it's season 46, which is just incredible for any show.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It certainly has endured. So, uh, now talking specifically about this season finale of Saturday Night Live, what did uh, you think just kind of generally about this episode with Andrew Taylor-Joy and Lil Nas X?
1: I thought it was a solid conclusion to the season because it, it was, I mean, it was a bizarre episode, and it's been a bizarre year. I, I wouldn't say it was my favorite episode of the season, just because I love uh, Keegan-Michael Key too much. And there's just so many other good episodes this season. But I thought it was really solid all around, great performances, good showcase of most of the entire cast. A few people, I think, were highlighted more so than others. But I loved it. And I, I thought uh, Anya Taylor-Joy was a fantastic host. She seemed up for anything. Solid performer. What did you think?
0: Yeah, I think... Well, it's interesting, and we can kind of transition to the start of the the episode with the cold open, that this... And I I like that they talked about this, but so much has happened in the United States, happened in the show, from when they premiered in the fall with Chris Rock, and it was nice that he showed up to the cold open, Mm -hmm. uh, to now, and talking about you know, where we were in the pandemic, where we were as in like political discourse with the presidency uh, in, in transition and all that to now, it's just feel like a lifetime has happened since the beginning of the season to uh, the end. And I like that for the second time in three weeks, they didn't really do a sketch in the traditional sense for the cold open. They just allowed the, the cast members to kind of speak in a kind of fictionalized version of themselves. So, um, and like you said, basically everybody is, uh, was on stage for this cold open, except for Che and Jost, cause they kind of exist kind of on their own plane, but some, uh, really nice things. But I think part of this cold open that gave us both a little bit of pause is the first, cause it's a bunch of different groups throughout, uh, the sketch throughout the, the main part of the stage is the first group you see is 80, Kate, Cecily, and Keenan. And they are the ones that I think if anybody is leaving the season, they have to be uh, really high on that list.
1: Which I, I wrote in my notes, 80, uh, Kate, Cecily, and Keenan are never allowed to leave us. I love them too much. When I was rewatching, I was just like, i they are so strong. They're anchors, they're leaders. And yes, of course, they're at the point where they could go have a career elsewhere. But God, they're so good. I don't want them to ever leave.
0: Yeah, and what's so interesting about them is... A.D. just finished season three of Shrill. Kate is a movie star. Cecily is on Michael Che's sketch show on HBO. And Keenan has Keenan. So they all have their next thing lined up. Whether or not they come back mm-hmm. for uh, a proper final season of SNL um, remains to be seen. But, you know, some great kind of... Ass- Small sketches throughout those kind of kind of vignettes, and uh, I really liked their their very their accurate anecdote about the pitfalls of having first responders be audience yes. members. Yes,
1: yeah, I, I, you know, it's so funny. Like them reflecting on all of this made me reflect on how hard this must have been on the entire cast this year. That we're in a pandemic. There's all this loss. There's all this sorrow, and their job is to come to work and figure out how to make comedy happen, how to make people laugh. And that whole bit with, you know, yeah, the audience of first responders and doctors coming off a 36-hour shift and the guy in the audience reading a medical textbook, it's like, huh, I hadn't thought about that. But that's, man, that's crazy that they had that happen. And then I I think they did a nice job of dovetailing those anecdotes with a a punchline. So, you know, second responders being the people who just kind of rubberneck and gawk.
0: Yeah, yeah, started bringing in the second responders. Uh, They also took a jab at Elon Musk from a couple of weeks ago where they, uh, Cecily, threw to a highlights package that was just Elon Musk as Wario. Uh, Like I said, we had surprise Chris Rock, who was the, the first host from this season. They referred to... Uh, Trump's loss as the heat miser losing, which uh, I'm always a, a fan of a mm-hmm. heat miser joke, and that was it. So, and then at the end, Kate was crying, which again made me concerned mm-hmm. that they might not come back. I would be surprised if um, they don't come back, only because I think they would want a a proper send off, mm-hmm. which there's there's a, there's some history to that where you know like when. Um, when bill Hader left he left as stefan getting married to oh, seth God, myers it was so beautiful. and it was like this big elaborate thing so and uh i have this distinct memory of when chris elliott left he they staged his like assassination backstage and that was how he left the show is they in the world mm-hmm. of snl chris elliott was killed so they've they've had a variety and then there's also people that just like fade away and never come back mm-hmm. um because like leslie jones didn't really have an official send-off she just like wasn't She just didn't uh, come back. So, But with this cast and and those fours specifically, I suspect that they'll do something a little more, but I think that maybe next season will be their last one.
1: That would make me feel more comfortable if they kind of phase them out next season but then have a big send-off because they deserve that. They have kept this show going for so long and they've been so strong. But you could definitely see there was a whole lot of emotion and love from them. And I thought it was a great way to start the show for the last show of the season.
0: Yeah, so we get into the monologue with Anya, Taylor, Joy. Uh, you and I, like most people, watch The Queen's Gambit. I think Netflix said it was one of their uh, most watched series that they've produced. Uh, and she's un- undeniably great in that. And her monologue was nice and short. Mm-hmm. But you could see from this uh, kind of a harbinger of good things to come because she was very confident.
1: Yes, she knows how to deliver a punchline, and she's got a whole lot of range in terms of her physical acting, and I thought she was delightful. She she started off with a strong note with, you know, and she, they made the, enough references to the Queen's Gambit, so got that out of the way. I love the cue cards on the ceiling with all of the SNL characters' faces as the chess pieces.
0: Yeah.
1: And then... I liked that she finished it with her first language. She ended this one in Spanish.
0: Yeah, she alluded earlier that her ethnicity is fashion week (laughs) because she's kind of from a little bit of everywhere. And so, yeah, I think that is one of maybe one of one times that the stick around, will be right back has been delivered in another language. And there's like Mm -hmm. some of the parts of SNL that I'm a little uh, precious about and the stick around, will be right back is part of that. But I thought this was such a cool way of doing that in a, in a way that broke tradition, but not because she didn't care, but because she wanted to kind of express her, part of her cultural culture. I thought it was nice.
1: Yeah, I, it was authentic. And I think SNL has been slowly making more changes over the years to be more diverse and inclusive.
0: Oh, absolutely. And you can see that represented in the cast, and we'll talk about that in mm-hmm. one of the digital shorts a little bit later. Uh, first sketch is... The uh, Hollywood Squares sketch, um, and Randall, Randall and I have talked about this. They just can't help themselves before they go into a TV show to do the programming notes beforehand, and it's just like a way of stealthing in a couple of jokes, uh, which I guess is fine. But I don't need I don't need that. I just need I, I'm happy to just go right into here's a retro episode of Hollywood Squares.
1: See, and I, I think I agree with you. I think with the game show being the structure of a sketch, it's been done so many times, it's hard to do it in new ways. So it seems a little repetitive and redundant to me. I, I think, though, that their intro with that, the 1971 episode of Name That Tune, 1953 episode of Guess Her Weight, uh, I think it was kind of a, a better setup in some ways than yeah. ones they've done in the past. So, And then once I saw the celebrity names of who was in the squares, I went, Oh no, this is going to be good.
0: Oh, absolutely. I, I, I think I'm just being a crank because they do that with (laughs) C-SPAN. They do that with every time they do, not every time, but most times when they do a parody of an actual television show, they do the upcoming whatever, just to do a few quick jokes. Um, but here we have, um, the uh, Hollywood Square's set up. So, uh, Beck is the host and 8 no, and no, 80 was the was the it guest. Was
1: 80 and Chris. 80 and Chris
0: were the uh, contestants. Thank you. And uh, we get a bunch of the celebrities, but what we learn pretty early on is aside from Anya Taylor Joy's Baby Spice, all of them are problematic figures from the 90s.
1: Yes, so we have uh, Bill Cosby, of course, played by Keenan, And then they immediately cut him off with, in light of recent revelations, we've chosen to omit this from the broadcast. They move on to Jeff Dunham with his various ethnic puppets. And then they had Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen next to Jared Fogle from Subway. They had, uh, was it Alex Moffat, I think? It was Matt Lauer. Yeah. Like shushing and winking at the camera. So each of these keep getting interrupted with that special, we have to omit this from the broadcast and... Et cetera, et cetera.
0: Yeah, and the game of the sketch is good because it, that initial interaction with the the celebrity and then the kind of swift, oh, we've removed this or, you know, baby spices people don't want to acknowledge this. That got keeps on getting faster and faster, which is why this one really uh, worked for me. And also, I... I'm glad that su- they decided to stick it to Jeff Dunham because screw that guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, he, I always hated his comedy. I didn't see what was appealing about him, and when you look back on it, it, it just it's horrible. Like it's not there's nothing redeemable. I think
0: no one of his main puppets was a Muslim skeleton that was a suicide Ugh. bomber. Ugh. And it's just gross, but like, but, but that dude has a st- you know had a standing thing on the strip forever.
1: Which is insane.
0: Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm not racist. I just say, say racist things to these puppets.
1: Well, and that's exactly what I loved Chris Redd. Chris and AD did a great job of delivering the reactions. Yes. And so with Jeff Dunham, they had him with Jose the jalapeno and Deshaun the piece of cornbread and Tanya's I don't know. It was just all horrible. Yeah. Uh, and then Chris Red's response was just like, well, I really didn't like Deshaun the piece of cornbread. It didn't seem right. And yeah. then he's like, oh, well, it's just me talking through the puppets. And then Chris read response is, no, it was definitely you.
0: Yeah, exactly. No, I think, uh, screw that guy. I hate you. I have done him. But yeah, so I thought it was like a really good, uh, targets. Yes. And they mentioned Kevin Spacey, but like we never see him, which I thought was a great escalation of the bit too. We're like, I mean, uh, Cosby is a convicted rapist. Uh, and, Uh, Lauer lost his career for being awful. And Jared Fogle was, uh, got in trouble for, um, child pornography. But I think that Kevin Spacey being probably both the most talented and the most problematic predatorial of them is like a nice way of like, we're not even going to Mm -hmm. put him on stage.
1: Yeah. You know, I was funny. I was wondering, okay, who were the three squares we didn't see? Yeah. And I, I felt kind of bad because it's new cast members that just really didn't get much action in this episode. But it was one of the new. I, it might have been Andy Dismukes. Yeah. Is that I think he was Kevin Spacey.
0: But you never seen him. And you know,
1: well, he was. A, they showed a flash of the Hollywood squares at the beginning of the sketch. Yeah. So I paused it to see who was up there. There you go. And it was Kevin Spacey, Roseanne Barr, and then uh, Apu from the Simpsons. the Simpsons. Yikes. Yikes. So it was, I liked, you're right though. They escalated it beautifully ending with, we're about to see Kevin Spacey. Oh no, we're not. We cannot air this. Right. And then it's end of show.
0: Yeah. And then, uh, the kind of last shot is, uh, everybody, but baby spice pixelated, which is also yes. very nice. Mm-hmm. So, uh, digital short, uh, this is, uh, the kind of caption was picture with dad, a title card was picture with dad. And this is Heidi, Andy Beck and AD, where, um, Eighty and uh, is uh, the mom. Beck is the dad, and Heidi and Andy are there with a uh, prom photo. And then Beck decides he's gonna go get his gun for like a funny picture with the kids. This is a real thing, Aaron. Is it? Yes.
1: No. Yeah. No. So
0: I went, because uh, this seemed like too specific of a premise. So I did a little poking around. And if you look for like prom photo dad gun, you will see a oh, lot of examples God. of this. So this was like a trend this year of these dads with the gun to kind of scare off the the boyfriend. Uh, and in this scenario, uh, Beck shoots his nuts off.
1: Has there been a dad that has sh- shot his own nuts I off? I don't
0: think so. But okay. the possibility is always there.
1: Wow. Okay. Oh, our country's weird. Yeah. Our country is messed
0: up. Yeah, so this is great where th- this feels like somebody read a BuzzFeed article and decided to write a sketch around it.
1: Yeah, you know, th- okay, so this was not my favorite sketch. Uh, however, I thought it was funny. I was like, okay, where are they going to go from this? Because too early on, he shoots his own dick off. And then the, the joke that escalates is when they're at the hospital and... Anya is the doctor and then the dad is just learning that his daughter and the boyfriend have already had sex. Yeah. So then they keep making jokes with that, which kind of escalated and like he's trying to get them to promise not to, you know, not to do it tonight in honor of him and they're like, Yeah, we're definitely gonna do it.
0: Yeah, so, so
1: I, that was kind of funny,
0: but and that kind of I think that whole thing just kind of lives in delivery, right? So yes. Andy Taylor Joy kind of flatly says like you're gonna lose your penis, and he's like, but you can fix it, right? And she's like, no. Mm-hmm. And then same thing with the delivery from Heidi and Andy, where they they their delivery is that of understanding and support, but they're, what they're saying is, uh, no, nah, we're just gonna do it anyway. And also, here's all the times in which you probably should have figured it out, but you didn't. So yeah, I, uh, I thought it was great. Beck is really funny, but like it, it is one joke that works really well. And then it kind of, what also I thought was good is it didn't overstay its welcome.
1: Oh, thank goodness. It was short. Like, I mean, it was, it was good. It was fine. Yeah. But had it gone on for another minute, I would have, I would, I would have lost, you know, my patience with it.
0: Yeah. So, uh, this next one is, (laughs) uh, I, I, I don't go back on YouTube and, like, look for the, what they are calling the sketches. This one was basically just, like, uh, it's heaven, and we're making human man. So yeah.
1: Design uh, for human man.
0: Yes. So we have, uh, for the kind of crew making the man, it's Chris Keenan, and Beck and Mikey. Um, and there's this human man dummy that uh, legit, just is off-putting in, like, it's just, like, mm-hmm. patches of, like, glued-on hair. Um, and uh, then... To inspect it, we get a group of uh, female angels in Anya, Melissa, Kate, Ego, and 80. What'd you think of this thing?
1: Okay, not my favorite sketch, but I, I, I think they had some funny dialogue throughout this. Yeah. So I agree with you. Definitely, the the human man was off-putting. I think that what was great about this was just the back and forth between the guys' reactions and the girls' reactions, and they did a good job playing off of each other. So, you know, I, I liked that the the you know women were like, "Is this final?" and then you know that the the guys were so married to their bad choices with yeah. like the one toe and. Uh, You know, I loved the so. Why are there nipples on the human man? And then Keenan's explanation that it's to create the illusion of a giant face to scare off predators, and he's very adamant that this is a great idea.
0: Yeah, I think that it 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 plays well on like the absurd things that they're talking about, but also kind of uh, male dominated work culture and where they think their ideas are great. Yes, and also what happens when men work in isolation. I also really (laughs) liked the.
1: the squeezies,
0: yeah, all the terms, right? <laughs> so they talked about uh, the squeezies and then the dangler and the wrinkle pouch. I also made a note to myself: there was a lot of penis going on in this episode, kind of back to back yeah. uh, uh male genitalia uh, centric sketches.
1: Yeah, so for those that didn't see the sketch, uh, Squeezies are the, the female breasts for making the milk, and the women have a great explanation of how they've carefully thought through all the ways that a woman, a woman's body does things that promote and give life. It's very carefully thought out, and then the male anatomy is just kind of like, what is this? Right. So the dangler and the wrinkle pouch, you know, was pretty damn funny.
0: Yeah. Also, they talked about um, the way that um, if you know, the men's sperm builds up, they go crazy. Yes. He gets, they, no, He get, they get stupid and he goes crazy, which I yes. thought was nice.
1: Yeah, and I just, I like that the, the the men were very adamant uh, and they said, okay, well, maybe we'll change the one toe to five toes. That was yeah. the one thing that they were willing to compromise at the end. And then here's the thing, though. they I felt like they just didn't know how to end this one. So then we have Kyle as Jesus just kind of coming in yeah. for a second to hang and then, you know.
0: Yeah, I, yes, I think it, Like we've talked about, SNL has a ending sketch problem, how to do that. And I think that, I think what they were trying to do is uh, Kyle as Jesus, as the dumb owner's son who isn't terribly helpful, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. that feels like that is part of a different sketch.
1: Yeah, it felt a little forced. Yeah. Again, I don't think they knew how to work their way out of this. They had some good jokes, some great vocabulary that they introduced us to. Uh, Definitely adding dangler and wrinkle pouch into my vernacular. Oh, good. Yep, you're welcome. Yep. And then we get into It's Pride Again video.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's So this is their uh, kind of Pride song with Bowen, Kate, Punky, and Anya. What's so cool about, you were talking about diversifying uh, and making the cast more inclusive, that Bowen, Kate, Punky are all gay. Mm -hmm. They're all like So that is really cool to have that many cast members where you can do that. And they bring on Anya, who is fabulous in uh, the sketch, and she's the host. Um, And it's great. So both talking about how excited they are uh, to be able to express their pride and have the praise and stuff, but then also the realities of kind of their relationships, we're talking about, uh, you know, a lesbian couple that uh, moved in too fast, uh, and then kind of reflecting on like, when did all the straight girls uh, dress gay?
1: Who <laughs> let in all these straights? And also the just like real things that happen, having a meltdown at a bar, yeah, uh, overpaying for ridiculously, you know, obnoxious drinks that don't taste good. And I, I loved the little bickering of the neoliberal notion to equate individuality with it when they're talking about Chick-fil-A yeah. and, uh, and Kate's response was, you know, don't act like you read theory. Yeah. It's just such a good little moment. Um, I, I looked up cause I just have been so enamored with all of the videos this year. And the one thing I did see that was consistent, at least with this one and several of the others is it was directed by Hannah Levy. Okay. So she also did the last dance extended scenes, lesbian period drama, viral video, uh, Boomers got the vax and Peloton, amongst many. Oh, others. Oh yeah,
0: those are all bangers. Those yeah, are great.
1: and I, I'm sure that there's a writing team that puts these all together, mm-hmm. of course. But I also think that this one, just the directing, was fantastic. D- uh,
0: directing, production design, yes, imagery, and imagery, costumes. We uh, also get Lil Nas X, yeah. who's also, you know, a gay performer, and so uh, having him be able to be a part of that, I think, mm-hmm. it was really great. So, uh, and then they ended with just like a. You know, Happy Pride from SNL, which is like not something that I'm confident they would have done five years ago.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think that they've come a long way. So I, I loved it. It's Pride Again video was one of my favorites for the night. Well, and,
0: you know, Bowen, you've said, oh, is one of your favorites, oh, and he is very I young. love
1: Bowen. I want to be friends with Bowen. Bowen just... He's so ridiculously funny and mm-hmm. committed to every character he does. So I, he's one of my favorites, as is Kate.
0: Yeah. So I... Uh, they they were wonderful. We get into this promotional video for a, a, a Celtic women show. So it feels like, uh, something like river Dance. Um, and this is Cecily 80, Anya and Kate. And this thing was, I, I really liked, even though it was kind of a mess come, uh, starting, cause this is a, a kind of combination of some testimonials that are not, on the main stage, probably somewhere on a green screen. And then the main four, Cecily, A.D., Kate, and Anya, um, they're all uh, on stage actually singing, and they had, I think, some some issues with that.
1: Yeah, Cecily broke at the beginning, but it's always kind of fun when you see a cast member break. I think that this was, again, one thing SNL does really well is a lot of specific observational humor Mm -hmm. and this was loaded with jokes so with the celtic woman just the description of it's the sexual eye content journey of a lifetime and you know it's actually taking place in ohio and gaelic songs and popular songs like sweet home alabama and then just having like beck and kyle come in drumming and chloe prancing with her violin at the end comparing it to like four irish elsas it was just loaded with jokes and it was weird but i really liked it
0: yeah Absolutely. This, again, feels like somebody saw a local commercial for this kind of act and then decided it uh, it would be uh, a good choice for, for this kind of thing. And also you have the talent for it because Cecily and Adie and Kate and Anya can all sing. So mm-hmm. might as well give them an opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, another one of their kind of taglines for as they're promoting this was if you liked Riverdance, but with arms.
1: Yes, then you'll love us.
0: Yeah.
1: Which I have seen Riverdance. Uh, my parents got me tickets when I was in high school and I was at the time rolling my eyes going, Oh man, this is gonna be so lame, but it's actually a delight when you, when you watch it. Right. It's very impressive.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I, I do like the way that it uh, escalated with uh, the extra elements at the end, including uh, uh, Chloe, Mm -hmm. which also feels like if with a different host, she's just in this sketch. She's just one of the four, but she's kind of, um, her and Anya, I think, have too many of the same things, mm-hmm. and and Anya's the host, so she's getting um, she's getting priority over her. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was, yeah, it's great. Uh, we uh, here in the Paradise House, we be like Irish things.
1: Yes, we do, because I'm Irish.
0: Indeed. So, uh, we so we're gonna talk about both performances from Lil Nas X. So he did two songs. He did "Sun Goes Down" and uh, "Montero," uh, and he just had a stage full for the first number. Just a stage full of shirtless dudes. Mm. uh that were mm. uh great and uh I'm not gonna hype on this harp on this too much because I don't think this is what we're here for but uh he was just like clearly not singing the choruses. He okay. was basically kind of singing the verses and that's it
1: okay you have a better ear for sound than I do and I thought that you even wrote I was like is he really singing in the first one? It didn't seem like it. No,
0: nah, I but that's also like complaining that Madonna wasn't singing yeah, or like you're, you're there to watch him dance in this yes. context. Oh, so yes, you are. that was what this this first performance was about. Was about, you know, the um, the staging, the the choreography. Uh, we didn't get to see his pole work because he split his pants mm-hmm. and just had to finish the number holding his crotch to to hide what was going on. Um, and that, but it was great. It was very cool. Again, five years ago, I don't think we have uh, a bunch of shirtless men writhing against each other on, uh, the SNL stage.
1: No, in chaps. In chaps. Yeah. It was a lot of leather and a lot of gyrating and I enjoyed it. Uh, honestly, I thought that the choreography was great. The trippy, uh, background projections added a whole nother theatrical element yeah. to it. And I think that's part of what Little Nas X does is his performances are full performances. You get dance, you get music, you get some spectacle with the techno effects. And I, I thought it was really well done. And I know that there's been a whole lot of, I don't know, uproar controversy over the, the Satanistic aspect of this. And I've watched the video. He's talented.
0: Yeah. He's a talented performer. And I like that they were using the projection to kind of reference the the music video with the, like how the flames and hell and stuff. And then, you know, to your point, his second number is just him on stage in a jacket with some uh, uh, applique bullet holes, and mm-hmm. he just sang. And so I thought uh, he was really good, and he feels like somebody that he would probably want to come back. And he feels like he would be uh, welcome back on the show as well. I
1: I, I hope so because I thought as a performer he was fantastic. I loved the contrast in that first bit. It's just him, two backup vocalists, and six very beautiful dancers. And then the second one, it's a slower tempo, Sun Goes Down. He's got a uh, drummer, keys, guitarist, and then just him. Very simple. But I love Sun Goes Down. I think it's a beautiful song. I I watched the music video uh, for reference. And if you haven't seen the music video, watch that music mm. video. It is visually excellent it's just beautiful it's him looking back on his life and singing to himself in his younger version of himself when he had to work a crappy job at a fast food joint when he had the anxieties that you have when you're in high school and not feeling loved or wanted having to go to prom crying in the bathroom and like and then having some fun and and he he is singing to himself in this way that's like you know it's going to be okay and it's just visually a beautiful video, and I thought that he did a great job with this performance on SNL.
0: Nice, yeah. Uh, I I don't I know like Lil Nas X is like Old Town Road and these songs, mm-hmm. so I didn't know much going in, and he was very impressive both in the Pride short as well as uh, mm-hmm. t- his two performances. Yes. So update. It's interesting going into this update because from when Che and Joe started together and they like did not work Mm -hmm. to now where they have a set up bit for the end of a season with the joke exchange, which we'll get to, it's cool that they've been able to build up the brand of their version of update and also their, uh, their interactions with each other. That's been part of the brand of SNL where I think that there's been obviously a lot of tradition of like two hander, kind of updates with, um, you know, uh, Seth Meyers and Amy Poehler and Tina and um, Fallon. But I think that these two together have a very special uh, kind of playful adversarial chemistry and the fact that they're so different. They're like Chose jokes and Che jokes. Yes. And they are not the same. And I think that the other pairings have been much more in the same wavelength and are kind of just, um, kind of sharing the load where like Che is saying what Che can say. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think, and Jost has his own kind of persona that he, he is working against. And I think that that really works. And now they have like this thing where like, you know, in the last episode of the season, you're looking forward to Che making Joe say a bunch of racist stuff. So before we get there, Mm -hmm. so, uh, talked a little bit about the year the talking about the country's in a better place than when they started the season. Uh, that one of the punchlines was the future of the GOP is yikes. You of know, referring to all that Matt Gates stuff. And then, uh, I also, they showed uh, Biden peeling out in the new F one hundred and fifty uh, lightning. So
1: I also liked uh, Che's reference to Andrew Giuliani being the son of Rudy Giuliani and Gary Busey. Yeah. That was a funny one. Uh, I also like the North Korea has banned mullets and skinny jeans and another attempt to cancel Morgan Wallen.
0: Yeah, uh, we didn't mention that at the top in the cold open, but they they also took opportunity to uh, go back to where Mor- Morgan Wallen was invited and then uninvited and then invited and then said a bunch of we kind of re- we. I think it was revealed what he was always the whole time, which was kind of a racist idiot.
1: Mm-hmm. I You know, it's interesting. So I, I thought that this – I love Weekend Update, and I, I agree with you. I think that Colin and um, uh, Michael have very distinct writing styles in terms of their jokes and structure. I did feel, though, that the first part of this was a lot of jokes we've already heard. Yeah. So let's make fun of Mitch McConnell. Let's make fun of Matt Gates. Let's make fun of Biden and, you know – pandemic jokes and lifting restrictions. So it was good. All the jokes are funny, but it was definitely stuff that they've been saying for the last few months.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It feels like the first part of update is all obligatory. Like here's what happened this week. And they unfortunately are penalized by being the comedy show at the end of the week. So, you know, by the time Saturday rolls around, we've heard, Seth Meyers do those jokes in Colbert and mm-hmm. Trevor Noah. And this is like the nth time you hear whatever. Um, but after getting through all the kind of business of the day mm-hmm. of the week, they, the first correspondent this week was Pete. Pete is Pete. And he was great.
1: Oh, fantastic. I liked, uh, his dig at Chrissy Teigen that she's out of our lives since the pandemic. Uh, i l- I I like that he threw that joke out. Uh, AIDS is a lot like SNL. It's still here. It's just that no one has gotten excited about it since the 90s. And then he tried to throw that at... That was Lorne Michaels' jokes. Uh, So that was funny. I I thought Pete did a great job with his bit.
0: Yeah. Well, he's also an interesting figure because he was initially bad at being in sketches. Mm -hmm. Like, he wasn't a very Mm -hmm. good performer. And then, obviously, he was struggling a lot with mental health and drug use. And seeing him and he... Uh, mentioned at the end of this thing that it's been great to grow up in front of us. And you can see that he's clearly a lot more stable uh, mentally, he's uh, in recovery, and he's just a better performer than when he started. And it's cool to see somebody like him grow, but also his brand, I think that's the best part of him on SNL, uh, is when he just does these five-minute stand-up bits.
1: Wholeheartedly agree. I thought it was interesting that he he did frame this whole bit as Mental Health Awareness Month. That's yes. how he started it, and then he ended it with that gratitude uh, towards everyone for you know watching him grow up, and you can see that he's become a really confident comedic performer. Yeah, I think Pete did a great job. I was I was delighted.
0: Yeah. So then after that we get a couple. This is where typically the the weirder things yeah, are wacky. Yeah. So we got. Uh, the talking about having loud organize, uh, orgasms and comparing it to, and then they just show a clip of the Braveheart execution. Yes, uh, which was <laughs> yeah. a, a choice. That was so weird. Um, and then they uh, do their joke trading thing. These happen so fast, I didn't really get uh, too many of them down. The only one is that uh, Cho Scott Che to say that blue Ma- uh, blue lives matter even more. Any, any of these other ones that you caught?
1: yeah. so, ok. start oh, it was just so ridiculous. It's so the joke swap. Che gets Colin to say a bunch of racist jokes about, you know, Beast Monkey getting hit on. Uh, there was the pop-up vaccines in a strip club. Oh, this was for Michael Che to say. That's just like Michael Che, very quick and can barely feel it go in. And the big theme, though, was the black Superman jokes. Yes. So there was a bunch of horrible kind of black Superman jokes uh, that Colin had to say. And you you hear a few of them, and then it goes back to Che with having to say Blue Lives Matter. Then it's back to Colin with... We I need to use my platform to say something we can all agree on that Woody Allen is innocent, and then Michael Che threw in another Black Superman joke, Man of Steel, S T E A L at the end. Yeah. So it was just it, it was funny just to see the two of them having fun, you know, just being friends.
0: Yeah. I they, the favorite my favorite part of this thing is watching Jost read the joke and then have to respond to it. So like you can see that he is reading the card, realizing what he about has to say now and then saying it yes he gets like this kind of resignation about what he's gonna have to say publicly and like we all know the bit but i do like that he seems genuinely upset
1: Mm -hmm. and i like well and i I like the preface at the beginning too that they're gonna do a joke swap and no one's gonna get canceled and no one's gonna have people writing at their house because of these jokes and michael she's like well we'll see yeah
0: (laughs) So then, uh, really the, the best part of update this week is Cecily as, uh, Judge Pirro. And this was, you know, we were talking about, um, if any of them were to leave, if this was the last episode that Cecily was on with this performance, I think that's a good send off.
1: Oh, absolutely. So she is playing Judge Janine Pirro and she just, she has this giant oversized glass of wine that she keeps sloshing around. She's saying outrageous things as, you know, Jeanine Pirro typically does. And then it ends with her singing, I did it my way. And she ends up in like a big tub of wine.
0: Yeah. So she's like in this Lexan thing that's filled with wine. And the thing that's so amazing about this is that she... She's doing her Jeanine Pirro impression, which is just so broad. And then while she's talking to Jost, she's strategically sloshing it on him while continuing to do her thing. The most amazing part, though, is so the, the big thing of Oxwine is kind of downstage at the update desk. And she fills up her glass and throws it over her shoulder and nails Jost. Yep. More than once. <laughs> Twice, Which is yep. amazing.
1: Oh, it was so good. It was such an epic end to weekend update it was perfection and thank you cecily for just being perfect
0: yeah and then she ends up uh finishing her bit by fully submerging in whatever yes. that liquid was oh, which good. i also appreciate for commitment <laughs> reasons
1: Ah, oh, she was all in i love her love her so much
0: yes so uh after uh update we get a sketch that feels like
1: oh wait there was y- a photo tribute
0: oh yeah go go ahead
1: so there is a nice uh, photo tribute to Charles Grodin, who passed away. Uh, did you know that he was banned from SNL?
0: I did not know that. I uh, I put the Charles Grodin still in my random thoughts at the end. But oh, th- go I'm ahead sorry. and talk about it now. Well,
1: hey. So before they transition to the next sketch, they did like a little tribute to Charles Grodin. And I was like, oh, that's sad. And then I was actually looking it up because I was curious about his relationship to SNL. And so he hosted in October of 1977. And it was a Halloween episode. Okay. And it was a total and utter disaster. Like, apparently, he just was really lackadaisical about it. He didn't come to rehearsals. Uh, He's a sweetheart, so he, like, bought gifts for the cast. But he, like, really didn't even know that it was going to be a live show. Right. So just imagine a host who shows up, doesn't know their lines, doesn't know how to deliver the punchline, doesn't know what's happening, pisses off all the cast members. Like, they, they just said it was such a train wreck that they wouldn't have him back after that.
0: It's interesting because Grodin's persona is this kind of like blithe detachment. So I Mm -hmm. am interested. It's surprising that he would have. uh, I mean, it's both surprising and on brand that that would have been his approach to sketch comedy. Because when you think about him, you think of like these kind of wry performances in movies. You don't Mm -hmm. think of him as like energetic sketch performer.
1: Oh right, it's like and this is a totally different style of comedy. I, I think that SNL and sketch comedy is so unique. It's so challenging. And I think that was part of what, I, I guess, upset a lot of the cast is because it felt like he did not take it seriously. And it showed because it was a bad show. Yeah. But I think at the same time, he's not like a malicious, mean man. He just didn't take it seriously. And so yeah. like, he's a very kind, kind of, you know, aloof sort of guy. Um, but yeah, so that was that was his little bit on SNL in 1977 and then never came back.
0: All right. Yeah. So then uh, the next sketch is one that feels like with a different host would have been 80 and Kate. Mm-hmm. This isn't, uh, one of their kind of, kind of local commercial style sketches. And this is bra Boulevard, uh, with 80 and, uh, Anya. Um, and basically this, uh, uh, bra store that it tailors to women that require a lot of support.
1: Yes. Cause bras are for boobies and bras are for breasts. Yeah. So that was basically the same joke over and over with like showing different types of bras with funny names. And then you have petite, uh, you know, visitors like Chloe and Heidi walk in and they're basically told to hit the bricks and go to Victoria's Secret because this is not for them.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, But Anya throughout the night just being very, uh, very good and mm-hmm. kind of consistent and holding her own against somebody, uh, like 80, we get back a little bit later where he's, uh, oh, yeah. welding, uh, steel bras. Uh, and then at one point 80, when he- Heidi, comes in and, uh, 80 is doing her sizing where she's just an extended feeling up of Heidi and she just has to deal with it.
1: Yep. It, it was not my favorite sketch. Right. I, I thought it was, eh, it was fine. I will say though, I mean, eighty is just always fantastic. I, what I love about eighty is she is always so focused. She and Kate McKinnon do the craziest characters, and they are so fully committed. Uh, so eighty was great, and I think you're right. Anya is strong. Like she's she's you know front row center in most of these, and she really holds her own with the rest of the SNL cast.
0: Yeah, I think that a, a mark of a good host is somebody where they can build sketches towards their strengths, and they can be the central figure in all of them. And I really felt like Anya was in that a lot. Uh, and what's amazing is that we go from the Brar Boulevard one, some visual jokes some boob jokes, kind of very specific kind of characters. And then we get the NYU panel, which, again, is <laughs> AD and Anya uh-huh. holding it down. Um, so I don't know the politics of how hosts choose the sketches or who's going to be in them, but it really feels like uh, Anya and AD, she at least felt comfortable with her. Uh, and so this is uh, Aidy and Anya as NYU students hosting a panel for this fictional television show with a diverse cast with Pete, Heidi, Ego, Bowen, and Punky as uh, the cast members, you kind of learn early on that Pete is meant to be kind of the dreamy kind of figure of the show that uh, AD and Anya are very excited to talk about.
1: Yes. So Pete is the heartthrob of roommates in the city, which is just a funny choice because Pete's kind of goony. Yeah. And the, and the joke is just that they keep throwing him easy questions like, do you like soda or frisbees or dogs or what's it like to work with celebrities and he just has these kind of giggly vapid responses and then the questions that they ask the rest of the cast members are so inappropriate and ridiculous so you know they, they kick-start it with uh, Naomi as a black woman can you please explain race and it just escalates from there like it just gets worse and worse the questions that they ask to the rest of the cast
0: yeah and what I like about it is that the both of those things kind of uh, escalate where they ask cuter and cuter questions of Pete. And he responds in a more kind of uh, childish way every time mm-hmm. kind of shrugging his shoulders and smiling and kind of giggling through it. And then the questions become more and more uh, pointed to the other uh, folks. Like they ask Bowen's character a question, how does being gay in a Chinese prevent prevent you from being happy?
1: And of course, Bowen's responses are just always fantastic. Just his kind of outrage and is this really happening is just so excellent to the point where he says, I have a question for you. You know, can I punch you? Yeah. So it, it just, it's really, I, I thought it was really well done in terms of the questions that they are asking, just the auntie kept getting up with them asking completely inappropriate questions. Oh, I love the, here's an extremely sad quote of yours that I've taken out of context. Yeah. That one I was I wrote that funny. down, too. hmm
0: Yeah, so a great in-performance and a good um, showcase for, again, the uh, rep showing the diverse cast, right? So you yeah. have Punky uh, and Punky Ego. and Bowen and Ego all kind of representing uh, different things. And it's also great that, like, there are gay characters who get to be gay in mm-hmm. their sketches, which mm-hmm. I think is really cool. Uh, and then our last sketch of the night uh, is... Uh, the AMC uh, Fast and Furious promo, which is a really nice logical extension of the actual thing where they've been cross promoting the return to theaters with uh, promoting Fast and Furious 9 with uh, Vin Diesel talking about all the benefits of coming back to the movies.
1: Yes. And Beck as Vin Diesel is one of the best impressions I've seen all season. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's I-
0: good because it's not accurate. It's, it's not just accurate, it's, it's very just very funny. Yeah,
1: it's an over the top kind of caricature of Vin Diesel, but just his voice and uh, the, his delivery of each line was fantastic. I love that he interrupts Anya who is the AMC employee who's trying to promote AMC and he yeah. comes up and and I think also the joke of this is it starts with simple things like the popcorn, the previews, the pretzels, don't forget the movies. And then it escalates to observational humor of other weird things that you see at the movie theater that you don't really think about. But then once it was pointed out in the sketch, I was like, Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. Shout out to the Aerosmith revolution X arcade game.
1: Yeah. And getting a shout out. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. The the second concession stand that's never been open.
0: Uh, yeah, the, it's funny because uh, here in Tucson, there is an AMC at the mall that absolutely has yes. what they're describing that I've never seen in operation. It's, it
1: has like dusty candy in it. It's so strange. And then the bird that gets trapped in the lobby, the butter machine that shoots at something that doesn't look like butter... The, the garbage can with the hole that's a little too small—it's just all of it in terms of observational humor just kept escalating, and it was perfect. And then you also get like Keenan and Chris Red and a few of the others. Yeah, the I love Chris Red posing with the Garfield standee.
0: Yeah, that we need fun. to remember that you came here and saw Garfield. Yes. So yeah, and that's uh, that's it. I didn't really note anything with the uh, good nights. Is there anything you put on there?
1: No, just Chris Rock and Little Nas. Little Nas X was just hugging everybody. And, yeah. It just seemed like the whole cast was there, and they're really happy and joyful.
0: Yeah. Oh, and we didn't mention this at uh, the top, but it was mentioned in Andrew Taylor Joy's monologue. This is the first time that they've had a full audience
1: that's all vaccinated. She's a yeah. fully vaccinated full audience with everyone being vaccinated, and
0: you could really tell. I think that the you know, I think that they were uh, having fun with the the first responder audience members not being the great comedy crowd, mm-hmm. but just having. A full house of people that are fans. Like those folks yes. got in line to see that show, which is a pretty significant commitment. And just hearing their responses to everything, it's just, it is di- a different experience, even as a viewer at home.
1: Absolutely. I, I think you could see and feel the energy of the cast members. They were just in it to win it, and they seemed like they were having fun. They were smiling and laughing, and it just felt like a, a good ending for what a crazy year. And again, I keep going back to it. It really made me think how hard it must have been for these writers, these, you know, the millions of people who work on this show. I mean, not millions, but hundreds of people, all the techies and everyone, they, they work so hard and they've been working hard all season. Even Chris Rock, I think, mentioned it earlier in the open about how, you know, when all this political stuff happened and like SNL, they could have stopped then. And then they went on for another 12 episodes this season. They just kept coming back and delivering week after week.
0: Yeah. And again, this is also an episode. This is also a season that included... You know, having resident guest stars for part of it too. You know, not mm-hmm. even referring to the Jim Carrey, Meyer, Rudolph stuff. Like that's how long the season oh, has God. been, and how how different it's been as well.
1: I forgot that Dave Chappelle was on it. I was like looking back through the season, and I love Dave Chappelle. I'm like, oh, that's right, he was on it, and like yeah. and that person was on it. It's been a long season.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Twenty episodes. Yeah,
0: which is shorter than a normal season, and I feel like we were kind of robbed maybe of a 45th anniversary celebration last Mm -hmm. year because that's when it would have been probably going to wait another three seasons to do the 50th. Um, So what was your favorite sketch of the night, Aaron? Ooh,
1: shoot. Oh, I don't know. I should have planned something for this. Uh, You know, I think I'm going to... I'm going to go with the AMC Vin Diesel. Okay. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I think all of them were good. I did like the N- NYU college panel. Oh, this is a hard. Sorry. I should have thought of this before you, you asked me. Uh, okay. You know what? I'll go with NYU college panel. I thought that had a nice structure to it. I liked the escalation, the timing, the delivery, the reactions, uh, the f- fact that it showcased more of the cast, I thought it was really well done. But I do want to give props to uh, Beck for amazing, over-the-top, Vin Diesel.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, I think mine was the um, Hollywood Squares one. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I They were easy targets, but they deserve it. Yes. Uh, and I also really liked the the pacing of that sketch as well. hmm hmm So uh, this week, who's your favorite not-ready-for-prime-time player?
1: Ooh. Okay, so... Here's the thing with that question. I was, did you look at the cut for time sketches?
0: I, I watched the, the, the one with the two. Um, it was like a, almost like a star search kind of thing. Star
1: quality. Yeah. So star quality was a ridiculous, like, look it up, everybody go on YouTube, go, go to SNL's YouTube channel and look it up. Uh, so star quality was really funny with 80 and Kate doing a little duet to a doll that was supposed to be their mother. Uh, Bowen and Anya rocked it in hot couture. So that was a fun one. I, you know, when I look back through and then they also had backstage pitch was another cut for time sketch in which Kate, 80, Beck and Ego pitched terrible versions of the Queen's Gambit to Anya. And so that was a really funny one too. Um, I feel like 80 was all over this episode. So I kind of want to give it to 80 because I think that when I look through, she's in like Every freaking sketch, if not every other sketch.
0: Yeah, I uh, I think in any given episode you can give it to Kate, but I think mm-hmm. that um, certainly with the the back to back sketches with Ad, the uh, Brar Barn or Brar, Brar Depot, and the NYU panel and. Uh, her kind of anchoring the cold open with the other veterans, and then the she's, Hollywood Squares. She's a Celtic she
1: was, woman. Celtic
0: woman. She was all over the place. She
1: was all over this episode. So I think it's eighty.
0: And uh, our kind of stock up, stuck down. Uh, are you uh, buying tickets for Anya Taylor Joy things?
1: Anya Taylor Joy things. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Uh, she seems like a solid performer and a and you know positive. I I think she's got a great range. Seeing her in The Queen's Gambit, which was, you know, more of a cerebral kind of serial drama coming to a sketch comedy show like SNL and holding her own. Absolutely. I will. I will watch more of her work.
0: Well, and I think that um, the next Anya Taylor-Joy thing that is coming out is Last Night in Soho, the new Edgar Wright movie. So that is absolutely a thing that we're going to go see. Okay, Um, And she is It looks like she's going to be great in that. And uh, I think that she is just so young and has so much talent that there's going to be a lot uh, of things to come. And she's already being really smart about her projects, which I think is smart. Uh, And then uh, have you, so you watched some of the, the videos. So where are you at with Lil Nas X?
1: Oh, I find him fascinating. I really do. I think he's so young and he has so much talent. And I was looking at just his kind of biography and his backstory and i i I find him fascinating i think that he's gonna have i mean if as as long as you know fame and wealth doesn't ruin him i I think he could have a really long successful career and he's been i mean he's already been nominated for so many awards already right yeah Uh, i i like him I like him. I don't know if uh, if I would have bought tickets before the show to one of his concerts, but now that I've seen him, like clearly if you go to whatever he's doing, you're going to get a good performance.
0: Absolutely. Well, that's, that's the magic of the show that you get to see people performing live. And even if you were like, Oh, I know what old town road is, uh, but then seeing, uh, him perform and have that level of confidence and, um, how good he is as a performer. And then also I love it when any musical performer jumps in on uh, a sketch where he, which he did with the, the pride thing. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I haven't he's... done my like due diligence with Spotify to listen to uh, mm-hmm. his stuff the way that I have with some other artists this season, but I I think he's great
1: yeah i i started i I went down the Spotify rabbit hole with him today nice. and I, I I liked what I heard and I can see why when you look him up and you see how many awards he has been nominated for and that he's won you you just see like this is a guy on the rise, and he is amazing I think he's amazing for what he does, and also just kind of being a very open representative of the LGBTq community is really important right now so uh, thumbs up for little Nasx. I think I think he's fascinating.
0: Well, thank you. And so uh, that is it for this season. Thanks for everybody that has stuck around with us for. Uh, the entire uh, run of this season. If you would like to uh, keep following us, you can find uh, Randall at Fresh Cut Randall at all the places that you might be looking. So Twitter and um, Instagram and uh, TikTok. You can find me at Mr B Paradise in similar places. You can find Aaron at Erin Noel N O E L E at uh, on Twitter if you want to follow her for all sorts of good things. So. Uh, Thank you, Aaron, for uh, potting with me so we can wrap up the season of Saturday Night Rewind.
1: Thank you, Brian.